0: Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gill here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati, dude. I have a jam-packed catching early buzz, bro. While while you were getting your flight delayed and killing the podcast listeners from getting our fucking mm. Monday episode, I was out here cooking. I was out here cooking, looking for content. Before I get to what I want to get to, give me soup to nuts how Lambo was because it couldn't have been great. It couldn't have been great. That had to have been a brutal, brutal loss. They have the Packers have as many playoff wins as the Raiders this year. How does it feel?
1: Uh. It didn't feel good. It was, I mean, the best way to describe it was just like embarrassing. You like leaving the stadium, you felt embarrassed to like have been like the snow's coming down, no one's saying a word, it's freezing goddamn cold. And everyone's just like, why the hell did we just lose that game? It it never should have lost. Like that was, and once they blocked that punt and returned for touchdown, you kind of just knew. It was just, they had not moved the ball since that very first drive. the offense, just kind of everything that was like kind of the underlying issues all year of no secondary weapons. Offensive line is like a lot of young guys kind of getting by on smoke and smoking mirrors. And obviously, Dave Bakhtiari, a last minute kind of scratching that game, all just went into the tank.
0: I want to talk more about that game. We'll get to that in the divisional round review. We're also going to go over the 2022 NFL draft board update, talk about some of the major changes that you've made there. But before we do, I have been on TikTok lately. I had my first TikTok make the For You page, by the way, had over 10,000 views.
1: How is that? How do you How do you know when it makes For You? It
0: just does a shitload better okay. than any of your gotcha. other TikToks, which I think has, like, right? I, mean, yeah. no one, I don't have 10,000 followers, but it got like 11,000 views. Um, it was just like a whatever, Gabe Davis, when Gabe Davis cooked that dude and he fell down. Um, <clears throat> but I was on TikTok last night and I discovered the fucking Liver King. Have you seen mm. the Liver King?
1: I have. I haven't dug deep into his videos, but. I just know there's some yoke dude preaching liver. Online. That
0: so that see, that's the thing. I think that discredits what this motherfucker okay. is. Liver King is a we got it on the screen. This guy is a legitimate monster. He is not only just some yoke dude that probably is taking steroids given this physique, he's in his early forties, but he's preaching not just liver, not yeah. just like dietary supplements. He is preaching like ancestral living. He has a website dedicated to teaching people how to live the liver king way, where like he goes on this, like he calls it like a simulated hunt where he doesn't eat all day Sunday and like earns his carbs and like eats just a bunch of crazy ass shit. There is a video where he squeezes live fish eggs out of a fish. It, this guy is a monster. This guy is who I aspire to be. But,
1: my, do, go ahead. We actually see him like consuming this stuff. Yes. On it, So he's not like a crisis actor or whatever. I like, don't put think up so, by, I don't think so. I, I
0: honestly will never do what he's pushing, but I believe every yeah. word. Like okay. this motherfucker is doing it, okay? Because he talks like a psychopath. There's one of these videos, <laughs> there's a video where he shows, I don't know, someone asked for him to do it, show, shows where he sleeps. He sleeps on like this like king size block of wood, bro. Hmm king-sized block of wood in this like million dollar home and the only thing on it not a mattress is like this layer of blanket that he's like me and the liver qu- he calls his wife the liver queen me and the liver queen this Obviously. is where we rest this is where we we optimize our sleep he like his cadence is just fucking incredible i need to get him on the show i need yeah. to get him on the show i'm calling out public relations david so i need the liver king on this damn show this guy is is next level maybe this
1: is what you need to get the weight loss goals
0: it's true i will i would not be ready to do what he does not just the food like the food is like obviously weird like he eats liver and like cow testicles and like raw eggs and fish but, like this ancestral living shit like it's a little bit of a cult man he calls his boys the liver boys they're eating like raw tartar for breakfast and shit he's he's uh, honestly a monster he's a monster that i i can't my favorite thing about him though and this is what i kind of want to approach the audience with every single tiktok he opens with either liver king here which is fine but he also calls his, his audience primals It's like what's up primals what do what does our audience want to be called i can open up the pod with what's up primals if you guys want to be primal
1: what would be a good audience name tailgate doesn't really lend itself to no yeah there's gotta be like an ancillary liver
0: queens i don't know but it's this guy man go i scrolled for like an hour bro i watched like an hour of his tiktoks just like fascinated at this human being he is uh he's a fucking insane piece uh the other thing i was spending time on over on social media was eli apple's twitter did you follow along when the guy was just on a legitimate tear
1: i read a few they were interesting um it is great that's like the best part about winning in general is that like you can just say whatever yeah Yeah, Like you could talk any shit you want and your response he's also been on a lot of
0: different teams right right? yeah exactly so he was like dragging a lot of former teams new orleans is the dirtiest smelliest city and has the worst food ever it's that swine and crawfish that's
1: killing y'all brains just dragging new orleans literally dragging it is hilarious though how like the knocks on eli apple about him being immature you know, coming out of Ohio State and all that <laughs> stuff that came out. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was right. You know, maybe, quote, tweets maybe, like James Winston, quote tweets like
0: Jameis Winston, quote tweets like some fan who sang Jameis Winston, future MVP. And he's like, LMAO, not crab legs, hell naw. You think he like roasts Taysom Hill, calls him like a glorified special teamer. It's, it's incredible. But so I, I tweeted out saying Eli Apple's Twitter can't miss right now. And I got like six quote tweets about Eli Apple's mom just taking, unruly things is, is, is like, there's like a, something with his mom that's like I don't I didn't look into it but apparently she's on a little bit of a tear as well but like she's she, tweeting now I too? don't know what Eli Ma- Apple's mom's tweeting but her reputation judged by like the eight quote tweets I got is is very promiscuous I'll say, I'll leave it at that oh no <laughs> yeah it was a it was a very weird right, trend you have to like Twitter eat. search Eli Apple's mom last thing on the catch and early buzz and I'll get to the show here I'm looking at the camera if you are posting your fucking Wordle score on Twitter, one, stop. Two, if you want to continue beyond the stop and you're not playing on hard mode, you're trash. Like you're literally trash. And some people will say, what's hard mode? In the top right settings, it says hard mode or no hard mode. Hard mode forces you to where every letter you guess, you have to include in the next guess. If you don't, there are four words with 20 unique letters where you can guess 20 of the 26 letters in your first four tries and then therefore get the word every single time do not play on non-hard mode i'm tired of the world shit i'm tired i'm tired it is a game for people learning how to read period like I, i it's that hard it's that hard. If you miss Wordle, you're just now learning to read. That's that's
1: my only excuse. There was a game on the Game Show Network, and I also was very not much not listening to that because I just read what the Eli Apple stuff was. What was, was it? Blown Is it away. Is it good? <laughs> no, the Eli Apple stuff that uh, the mom stuff. Yeah, not good. Oh my but, god. But now I need to. Look um, there was a game on like Game Show Network that was Wordle before. It was called like Chain Reaction, maybe. Oh
0: yeah, Chain Reaction was lit.
1: That was right. That yeah, was yeah, like yeah, Wordle, yeah. where you had to guess whatever word. And that's like, the thing is, you don't have a time limit. So you can just sit there and think about whatever you want all day long. Uh, yeah, Wordles, I mean, I play it just because everyone does. And I want to see how I do, oh, but no, it's I not that just... interesting. <laughs> you found it too? It's not good. Do, do, I would do, not recommend. Do not Google search Eli Apples, Mom. My
0: God. <laughs> now the quote tweets make sense. The quote tweets make sense.
1: Yeah. Dude, wow.
0: Um, all right, well, let's get into our presenting sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast. Presenting sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast this week is DraftKings. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on DraftKings Sportsbook. There's only four teams, an official, sport, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, DraftKings. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same page for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF and get 56 to one odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code PFF for 56-1 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Do 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 Bengals Titans. Shall we get into the divisional yeah. round review? Then we'll get to the draft board update and all those things. But man, dude, Liver King, Eli Apple's mom, Wardle's trash, and you having the- who'd you go to the game with in Lambo?
1: Uh, my brothers and my dad. How? Which one was the most
0: blitzed? You? My uh, Al.
1: Al oh, Al blitz. got. Dude. Al was okay. We so, got to get Al on the pod. Al's a character. Al man. takes it harder than I do. Um, so does Eli Apple's. Apparently. <laughs> <ball. laughs> <laughs> now you gave it away. But no. Um, he apparently, after the game, my mom said he went downstairs to the basement. He's just sitting downstairs in the laundry room going through with it. the lights off, just sitting on a chair, going through it. That's rough. Not had a, Didn't have a great day.
0: Not going through it is the city of Cincinnati, and also the curse is lifted. Bengals, Titans, I backed the Ooh. Bengals. I said – On the money line and to cover the three-and-a-half. There were three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road against Tennessee. The most fraudulent one seed. That's what everyone's calling them. The most fraudulent one seed there ever was. Titans never should have been in it. Whatever. Bengals win 19-16. I'm going to start with, that's bullshit. I I think this Titans game, uh, the biggest reason why I think they weren't able to come out firing with all the talent that they have, I think it was too much newness at the same time. Only... You know, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry have played together on the same football field <clears throat> for like roughly 200 snaps this season. Then you throw in at Derrick Henry who not only has a metal plate in his foot, he's got a metal plate in his shoe, and obviously did not look 100 percent. Dante Foreman was running the ball better than uh, than. Than he was. And then you have Ryan Tannehill trying to fit the ball into on the opening play on on, uh, off-play action right to Jesse Bates' chest. Couldn't get either A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, or Julio Jones moving, trying to feed too many mouths. And this offense just, like, disjointed. Disjointed. Like, if there was ever a time for, like, the rust argument, not just because of the bye week, right? But because of, like, they just had not played together that much. And then you have a rusty Derrick Henry, Julio Jones coming off an injury, A.J. Brown. I mean, it, was, it was a disjointed Tennessee Titans offense that only scored 16 points despite sacking the Bengals nine times. And the Bengals still scored more points.
1: See, I think you're not giving the Bengals enough credit. I think you're really? saying that the Titans offense was disjointed is not giving credence to Jesse Bates' pick was Jesse Bates going superhuman. That was not a play that— yeah, that was 99% I mean, that was- of the safeties in the NFL makes. Like he throws that ball because Jesse Bates played middle field safety on that play. Middle field safety is not almost ever breaking on that sort of route. So that's a heck of a play by Jesse Bates. It's not giving Mike Hilton the credit for the pick he had on that play where they don't make that play. They're probably not winning that game. They're in field goal range already, makes the pick on the blitz. I don't think it's giving guys like B.J. Hill along this defensive line, enough credit for what they did in run defense. Like, the Bengals' defense came to play in that game. It wasn't – now, obviously, like, Titans made their mistakes, had their fair share of missed opportunities. But I, I think that was more a performance that the Bengals can hang their hat on and feel good going into KC about where they're at defensively and not necessarily just the Titans sort of having their mishaps.
0: Can I can I apologize? No. Can, can I apologize Bengals to Bengals' next? No, I'm
1: just saying, like, yeah, there there is some of both, but to me – you got to give credit to the Bengals because a lot of the plays that they did make were straight up plays, like plays that were one man going superhuman, doing it on his own. That as a Titans' offense, sometimes you just got to tip your cap. I, I think that's fair, and I think I do think how I initially pitched that I sounded like Bengals, you know.
0: No, Titans were just trash and the Bengals won another game. But I do think DJ Reader, BJ Hill, Jadobio Wuzier, Mike Hilton, Jesse Bates all showed up in this game. And I tweeted out something about Duke Tobin. When we had the podcast a uh, a couple episodes ago talking about who our executive of the year was, Tobin's my guy what he's done over the last 2 years yeah. to like legitimately transform this team. And that I only brought up a handful of players there, but like Logan Wilson is a starter on this team. Like you have Von Bell, like you have so much that they've added over the last 2 years that have had a direct impact on how they're performing. I mean, this has been a clinic by Tobin to aggressively improve a roster that has a good quarterback, right? Yeah. It's not just because he added talent, right? If you add Chidobe Wuze, Mike Hilton, you know, all these BJ Hill, DJ radio to another team with a bad quarterback. No one's even talking about Duke. Like no one's even talking about those acquisitions. Right. But it's realizing your window. That's what Tobin has done. Realizing your window, drafting chase over Sewell, adding as much as you could on free agency, spending big on Trey Hendrickson and that panning out that ultimately leads to this conversation for him to be executive of the year.
1: Yeah. I mean, this defensive turnaround is quite literally all guys, all free agents or trade guys that they've added. the last Some rookies, but yeah. But I mean, it's Jesse Bates. Who's been obviously there. Uh, this is fourth season, but that it's all guys that they've added the last two yeah. seasons. DJ Reader, Mike Hilton, BJ Hill. Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson. Yeah. J.W. Like, Woosier. I mean, like, it's yeah, everyone. J.W. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, that is, like, what why they are so vastly different and why they are where they are right now in the NFC Championship game. Absolutely. I mean, even if you go back to the last three years,
0: Sam Hubbard starts for this team. I mean, Logan Wilson was a rookie drafted last year. Like, so much
1: of what they've done. Well, I've obviously, been- to- Tobin's been there for fucking ever. So. Yeah, yeah, true, true. <laughs> All true. these moves are him now, going back to whoever was drafted. But, yeah.
0: I don't think I sent this one to to Quinn. But, so, yesterday, uh, pardon my t- – or PFT commenter tweeted out a picture of Getta. I think they're consider- he's considering coming to Cincinnati for whatever reason and, like, highlighted how excited he is to try it because the description for Getta, which is like a Cincy – fucking staple because there's like a big german population and it's like this german sausage mixed with oatmeal or whatever it's a meat and grain sausage or mush of german inspiration which from a description standpoint is not good
1: it's not so it's not actually german of origin cincinnati origin like it was made here oh really yeah
0: okay but anyway it i comment saying it's mostly bad like the rest of cincinnati sparking all of queen city to come after me and getta is mostly bad no getta no can i can i finish yeah Geta, when prepared well is good period 10 percent of restaurants in Cincy prepare it well that's that's just a fact i went to get fest my first year excited to try this new cuisine and literally every single place i tried it at this little festival of getta was trash i almost threw up twice it was that bad
1: i really like getta it's like sausage and oats basically is what it is just just send a and so you make it crispy i mean it's good it's very good it's a way to make it's i think they made it to make sausage obviously last longer um, but it is one of the few, I mean, compared to Chile, it's far, far better than Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, it's better than the Chile, okay? But that's it's a fucking low-ass yeah. bar. Um, but in that, all of Cincinnati wanted me killed. You know, a handful yeah. of people replying to kill me. But then, Bengals super superfan, the, the Bangalorian, Bangalorian yeah. comes in. And I have, I'm have the director of content at PFF. So he says, Fix your bio, director of stupidity. The Bangalorean, who is a Bengals super superfan that dresses up as the Mandalorian in orange... Bangalore. thinks i'm the director of stupidity <laughs> i found that i mean regardless i am the director of stupidity but i found that like from a glass house throwing rocks from a glass house there you dress up as a fucking fictional character called the Be- Bangalorean as like a 40 year old adult i don't know uh i don't know man i don't know
1: don't have bad takes on ghetto don't Fair. get owned online i want to hear quinn's take on the Bangalorean.
0: i know he's not on the mic today but i need to know eventually what quinn thinks of the Bangalorean. um we will, I don't want to preview the AFC Championship. I want to save that for the next one. Yeah. But Bengals are seven-point dogs in Arrowhead. One of the bigger spreads of the postseason, honestly. Let's move to 49ers-Packers, your favorite. Packers were favored by six at home in the cold against a 49ers team with objectively the worst quarterback of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, Let's just call it, call it a spade it. spade. He played terrible in this game. Like the, the reason 49ers like didn't score an offensive touchdowns is because Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't good. And it's the reason that the San Francisco 49ers are in dogs every single game they play this offseason. It's the reason they'll be dogs if they go to the Super Bowl, regardless of whether the Bengals or the Chiefs win. Or, I don't know, Bengals, maybe it's closer. Maybe the Bengals aren't favored. That would be a tight line, I think. Maybe a one-point line either way. But 49ers win 13-10. They obviously cover the six, and they win outright. That's two underdogs winning outright on Saturday. You've already kind of teased your recap of this game. Did you have a chance to go back and watch it on the All-22?
1: I did a little bit, it was tough, didn't really want to. But the biggest thing, and it's something, and I think it sucks, I had like a lot of thoughts obviously after the game, and I'm not gonna like go too hard in. But the thing that sucks is the death knell was the thing that we have literally been harping on the last two years, ever since that 2020 draft where they kind of just punted on make, on a class that could make an impact on this team and it's having any other options besides Devontae Adams. Going to that final drive where he tries to throw it up to Devontae Adams in double coverage on the post with Alan Lazard coming open, and it's like, yeah, like you could say L- Lazard was open on that play. Aaron Rodgers missed him. But it goes to the bigger point of Aaron Rodgers didn't trust anyone besides Devontae Adams all year long. You look at the stats, it was the biggest gap in the NFL between number one and number two wide receiver on a team. Like just straight up, the two, three, four wide receivers for the Packers did not have – as many yards as Devontae Adams did this season. Rodgers, so when it was crunch time, when things all chips were the table, he didn't trust any of his other guys to get open. So always looking to is Devontae Adams did not have a reliable number two. And that is what obviously ends up dealing them in only six yards for their receivers outside Devontae Adams, one catch to Alan Lazard. And they just go back and look, and it's like they've invested on the offensive side of the football. They have used seven top 100 picks in the last three drafts on the offensive side of the football. In this game, though, Those guys combined for seven carries, 25 yards, touchdown run, that was obviously A.J. Dillon, a drop, that was Josiah DeGuara, and then a 48.0 overall grade at center, that was Josh Myers. Obviously, he was hurt uh, most of the season, just came back this week. Not going to, like, harp on that one too much, but my last and only point I'm going to make about this game is if you had taken all those top 100 picks (laughs) that they did not use on wide receivers until Amari Rodgers, who was, like, 100 30th on the pff draft and
0: only whatever. picked wide receivers
1: and only picked the next wide receiver that was on the board the next wide receiver that came off the board in mm-hmm. that draft here is who you would have a.j brown Terry mclaurin t higgins brian edwards gabriel davis who just went for over 200 yards and josh palmer
0: wow the worst player on that list is brian edwards yeah that's that's insane now they wouldn't have Elkin jenkins wouldn't elton have elton jenkins, jenkins.
1: Yeah. But you also wouldn't have Jay Sternberg, Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, Jai Deguard, Josh Myers. You could literally do without any of those other guys and still be fine. That's brutal. It, that's brutal. That's it? All right, that's my last point. That's, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, my takeaways from this game, and this is something I was harping on yesterday with some people in the office, is you know, like so many people want to bring up that, oh, my God, the blocked kicks. Like, can the special teams just figure it out? That's why Green Bay, they scored 10 points. Like, like, that, the, the offense could not move the ball. That's the problem.
1: Okay. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was. It was it was snowing. and It was bad weather. Like, it was difficult to move the ball. We saw that, obviously, with the 49ers, who themselves scored six points offensively. So, But this, the 49ers don't have a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. And, and honestly, okay, I said that was my last point. There's one more point. I don't know what the hell Aaron Jones was doing in that play before the half.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: that know. was one of the biggest boneheaded – decisions with the ball in his hands i've seen a ball carrier make he literally has a step like he runs in a straight line he scores or is down within the five yard line and out of bounds stopping the clock giving you literally three downs to score from there but he runs at the guy he He runs back in it doesn't yeah i agree all right that was okay that's it now i'm done
0: man the san francisco 49ers let's tip our cap someone i want to tip my cap to is not jimmy garoppolo debo samuel is an absolute monster george kittle monster D'Amico Ryans like this defense should not be as good as it is and it has done a phenomenal job at limiting legit football teams I know some of it was the weather and whatever but like how they approached Devontae Adams in that game was obviously fantastic and they just don't have a lot of talent on the back end I think um, Mm -hmm. Seth Galina or Deontay Lee wrote a piece here at PFF talking about like how he's getting so much above expectation out of this like secondary that isn't overly talented. And that is, in my opinion, one of the biggest edges you can have as a defense coordinator. Is if you can find ways to, you know, uplift specifically your secondary with scheme and how you approach things, like that is going to take you a really long way. I mean it's comparable in my opinion to Matt Eberflus, who does not have legitimate pass rushing talent. I know Darius Leonard is a is a monster, but like it's a low-value position. He doesn't have, like, overly talented defensive backs. But, like, Ibraflus is in the conversation for head coaching positions as well because of how he elevates that group. Like, I do think that D'Amico Ryans, man, this, this guy's got something, which has been fantastic for San Francisco. And it's a big reason why I think they're only three-point dogs against L.A. Like, it's not Jimmy G. Well, it's, it's, it's def- def-
1: also that they've had their number.
0: Yeah, they, and I think it's D'Amico Ryans that's yeah. had his number. Like, I would not be surprised if we see two turnovers from Stafford in this game, just with how good Ryans has been. I think everyone should be tipping their cap to what D'Amico is doing right now. On to the Sunday slate, but before we do, I have to get into not our leading sponsor anymore, but a fucking proud sponsor of the Tailgate podcast. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Don't let a wild pube wreck you valentine's day is just around the corner and our sponsors at manscaped are here with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion if you are not using manscaped for valentine's day what are you doing have you ever gone into a valentine's day not fully scaped scaped up no absolutely not ball toner i want the manscaped underwear on and i might whisper the ad read into her ears violets are red or no (laughs) roses are red violets are blue don't let a wild pube wreck you the v-day this v-day it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders, in blow the waist screaming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. The holidays went by so quickly. Did you remember to take care of your package with the best tools for the job? The performance package 4.0 with Manscaped is just the thing every guy needs in their life to make each and every day just a little more special. It's like to prepare I'd like to propose making February 13th a national holiday as national shave your balls day. Who's with me? I think this one, this is one holiday that men and women can get behind. It's also the day of the Super Bowl. And if you don't have fully scaped up, if you're not fully scaped up on the Super Bowl, you're obviously not playing your cards right. Manscaped created their products before night just like this and will make your V-Day date say, Wow, great set of balls you have here. That's in the read. They went all in on Valentine's Day manscape went all in you're gonna say to your v-day date wow great set of balls you have here i've never gotten that compliment manscape gives you that opportunity get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code pff at manscape.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com and use code pff join cupid and shoot your arrow with manscape this valentine's day the, the manscape ad writers deserve a fucking nobel piece because they are in their bag every single week they they probably double as like literatica writers <laughs> on the side. Uh, let's get to Rams Bucks. I can't believe they said, Wow, great set of balls. Rams Bucks, this game almost was fucking insane. 27 to 3, they're able to come back. The Bucks are able to come back. They tied up. And then let's talk about the play. You know, Todd Bowles sends out this all out blitz, leaves Antoine Winfield Jr. in a one on one situation with Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup beats him over the top for a big chunk game that ultimately sets up Matt Gay for the 30 yard, ba- or no, I don't think it was 30 yards, but for the game winning field goal over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in regulation. Now, Bowles getting a lot of hate. I think the best counter I've seen is that, dude, this is him. Like, this is what he does every single play. This is what he's going to do. He's going to live and die by the sword. The sword though, do you have to use the sword every time? Like do you have to, does, is that the situation where you have to use the sword, right? Like I don't understand, like I get that like in theory and like the cliche is great, like the fucking expression of like live and die by the sword, live and die by the blitz. It's like, okay, but there are some situations where you don't need to break out the sword, right? Yeah. You can like sit back and like take, take a second to play a more preventative defense. I don't know. I, I I'm not gonna pretend i know more than todd Bowles does and like he probably loved the call and his players did too but like it didn't look like the best call or the best situation leaving winfield junior in that one-on-one situation
1: i'll just say i would much rather go out that way than the way the bills did where it's just sitting giving but them there's
0: an in between free. there's an in between between those like the bills just like cushion the fuck out of everything and let him run down the field with yeah. three timeouts but i'm just saying the Bucks i'd rather just go out- like set the whole house
1: and everyone, like, citing that he's the best versus the Blitz, it's like the Rams also know that and probably think they're not going to Blitz. Like, that, that, that was a long-developing route to, to throw versus the Blitz. You know, like, that is why Winfield's flat-footed there on the back end is because he just doesn't think he's going to have that time and why he gets ran past in that scenario because the Blitz doesn't get home. Like, Blitz gets home, all of a sudden – Tom Bowles looks like a genius. And it's like, yeah, live and die by it. I I, I think when you are stylistically, like, you try not to – don't do not do things that you're not. And that is – that call has been who the Bucks have been all year. And so if you're going to win a Super Bowl like that, like you did last year, you're going to have to accept that sometimes it's going to burn you.
0: I, can I respectfully disagree? Like, I just don't I, – I, I don't – I think there's I a – I just don't
1: think it doesn't – I mean, like, obviously there are better calls. Yeah, that, the that, that's,
0: I think that's it, but, but, I
1: mean, but it's not, it's not like, I'm not, I don't hate it too much to be honest, it's just like you got a lot of hate, I don't hate it that much.
0: I think any call that, I mean, I get, I mean, I don't know, I just think he was too wide the fuck open, I mean, he's too wide the fuck open, like, I I think you can't, any call that leaves a play, like, could potentially leave a player that open, I don't know, like, I, I, regardless, I, again, Top bowls live and die by the story, live and die by the blitz, they died. Okay? They died and lost an opportunity to like legitimately win this game because of that, which which you hate to see. But what was your you – know, a lot of people didn't even feel like the Bucks had a chance to come back in this game. And then you see Cam Akers fumble the ball twice. So, like, Rams borderline trying to gift them the ball, gift them this game. And if people are calling, calling Goodell saying the NFL is rigged if Brady wins this game. I'm telling you that right now.
1: Um, it really felt like it. it. did. It yeah. did. I, the, I'm not going to lie. The Sioux force fumble, which right after we put him on wash watch, he goes out. And makes like two massive plays and gets kicked in the nuts by Matt Stafford. But that was just it shouldn't happen. Like you're just watching it like that never happens. It just never happens except when Brady is down by twenty plus points in a playoff game. <laughs> the only time. Uh
0: I think the a lot of people highlight I mean, I wanted to hit this point home. You know, not having Tristan Wirfs in this game because they had to play against the seven seed Philadelphia Eagles stinks. And I know we've gone on this rant before about yep. what's wrong with more football. What you can't have a seven seed in there. It's like this is the reason why, like the Bucks. It was a deciding factor in the game. It was a massive deciding Two factor. Third. Josh Wells allowed like six pressures. Yeah, Josh Wells is getting his ass worked. Like Tristan Wirfs not being not playing in this game because the, the, the they had to play the Eagles it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Like if your if your goal is to find who the best football team in the NFL is with the Super Bowl. If mm-hmm. that's your goal, which I don't think it is, I honestly don't think it is from the NFL. I and mean, it's not. Then, it, then you don't you don't make them play that game. You don't add another seed in the playoffs. However, the goal will continue to be make more money, and making more money means more games, more games in the playoffs, more island games, all that stuff. So, they I, I'm not saying that's the sole reason, right? Rams came out there and whooped their ass for most of this game, but like that is a factor. It's a big factor. Not having Tristan Wirfs in this game was a big factor. Yeah. Um, on to Bills Chiefs game of the year. Yeah. This game was electric. I want to start with the two fourth down decisions on the opening drive that no one discussed. No one. Because it worked. Because it worked. Exactly. Exactly. Half, like near half field, fourth and two, go for it, get it. No one even comments on it. I don't even, I don't think I saw a tweet about it. Then, on the goal line, Josh Allen, or, or got fourth down, they go for it again, and they get it.
1: The single so three. Right.
0: The, here, I'm going to, I'm going to, for the camera here, I'm, for, uh, for the podcast listeners, I'm opening up my hands wide. This is the amount of discourse on a fourth down decision if it doesn't work. This is the amount of discourse on a fourth down decision if it does. Like, I don't understand how the anti-analytics community doesn't see that, like, anytime it doesn't work, you're resulting and looking at it as, like, oh, my God, the decision was heinous. But when it does work, you're like, wow, I saw more tweets about Devin Singletary on that fourth down than I did the decision itself. (laughs) Like, oh, man, Devin Singletary's showing out the executions. I just think it's such a toxic... Conversation right now, and a lot of that is 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 baked in because I think some of the analytics community can come off as like hardos and like assholes, yeah. Which is like,
1: you mm, know, they don't come off as hardos. They come off as know it alls.
0: Know it alls, yeah, 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 The tone is sometimes perceived terribly, yeah, and sometimes intentionally bad. But I do think that the high level view of it is like, man, like, like fourth down decisions. Like when you are in this position to go for it, you should like, especially yeah. when you are in the position that the Bills are when they have a fucking free quarterback.
1: Yeah, and. and- I actually did tweet about it. My take was, the tweet I had, is like all the people saying, oh, you love football, why would you not want more football? If you love football, why would you not want to see literal football being played on those situations? Why would you not want to see the drama of an offense trying to convert a fourth down instead of a punt? And I had someone reply being like, oh, I don't like it because I like special teams in defense. And it's like, okay, yeah, you can like special teams in defense and admit that like that play that has a lot around? more, a fourth and two at midfield has a lot more riding on it than a punt from midfield and a lot more excitement of what could happen than a punt from midfield. My, my,
0: my take is not even like, if you like football, why it's, it's more like, this is statistically the better decision from a win probability and win percentage perspective, knowing your offense, all these factors that go in. Yes. Are there times you're not going to get it? Yes. There are times you miss PATs. There are times, there are, of course, nothing is 100%. But like, this is the better decision. Just like, and I want to, I keep bringing this up. Why do you throw on third and 10? Because statistically, throwing the fucking ball <laughs> gets you more yards than running it. Yeah. It's like, that's another analytics decision. That's a yeah. data driven decision. Why do you throw on third and 10? Because you gain more yards on third and ten. Why do you go for it on fourth down in certain situations? Because I know it's not as obvious as the data as yards per play, but there is data, obvious data, that coaches are using that shows you are in a better position to go for it in certain situations on short yardage situations on fourth down, at certain areas of the field, when the score is a certain way, when you have certain offensive players versus defensive players, and that's why you do it. Now does every third and ten pass go for a first down no do you sometimes get sacked? do you sometimes throw picks? yes but you are throwing on third and ten because you know that gives you the best opportunity to get the fucking first down yeah. and that's why you go for it on fourth down because that gives you the best opportunity to win. The other big piece of this that I don't want to get under discussed is Josh Allen is absolutely absurd that that postseason performance in those two games despite losing obviously the second one was one of the most it's one of the most unreal two game stretches I've ever seen from a quarterback yeah. it sucks that he is not continuing to play it sucks that he doesn't get a second swing of the bat because what he did this year and what he did in this postseason was unreal bro I think he's comfortably in this tier not behind Mahomes but with Mahomes tier one of of quarterbacks in the NFL
1: it is insane he had the best on like a per drop back effectiveness postseason ever best postseason ever for a quarterback it is he makes the championship game
0: it sucks, man. You know, like,
1: he had the best postseason ever. You cannot do better than he did at the quarterback position in terms of playing it. And he's not going to make the championship game. It sucks. That, that game was wild. Um, we don't have to revisit the overtime rules. We've I want made to. Our, we don't, we've made our point What's clear. Your everyone, What's your Everyone fucking knows. You know I take. It needs to be changed. It's, I, don't, I think it's ridiculous that it can sway the winning percentage. Historically, for getting the coin toss is enough to cover – the Vegas VIG is enough to cover over 55%. That's over 55% the team that wins the coin toss wins the game. That is a massive swing on, a, on luck yeah. being decided in on your favor. On a 50% shot. Yeah. I think the other,
0: I, we don't have to go over it, and like propose overtime rules, college overtime. Some people are saying just play the 10 minutes, right? Just play the full 10 minutes, like another quarter, whatever. Whatever you want the rules to be, they're, the way they are currently is trash. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest, that my biggest thing, I like, I like the, the 55%. How many teams have ever chosen to defend?
1: Yeah, no one. No one. Why? Well, I mean, they did back. What did the Bears did it back in the day in like oh three? And they, or was it the Lions did it against the Bears? I don't know. Someone did it back when it was only a field goal that you needed. And they someone lost. decided to kick, and they just went down and kicked field goal. So like uh, my thing my, that that should like Marinelli end the overtime
0: also. rules discussion flat out. Whoever wins the toss, 99% of the time, they pick to get the ball. Why? Because that's the more likely team that wins. (laughs) Like, it's not an equal split, you know? Like, it's like, no, 99%, maybe 99.9% of teams, if you win the toss, you say, yeah, we'd like the fucking ball because we want to win the game. (laughs) So, like, to put... It's just too lopsided. It's too lopsided off that toss. And some people say, you got to play defense and all that stuff. It's like, then why don't you pick defense, bro?
1: It's like, it's like, oh, we got to play defense
0: to win. Like, pick defense. Defer, yeah. motherfucker. If you think your defense wins championship, de- defer. Don't take the ball.
1: It was Marty Morningwig in 2002. That's a fireball offense. Deferred. Oh, he did get fired. They went 5-27. He went 5-27 as head coach. Deferred. And the game down and kicked field goal and they lost. That's a. If I was the owner of that team, I was probably (laughs) like
0: only a field goal. (laughs) I was eight year. I was eight years old time. I mean, but I didn't. So I obviously don't remember that game clearly. But like, if I was an owner of the team and I saw a coach make that decision, you be done. It'd be toaster strudel, bro. It'd be see you later. Obviously, you're done.
1: It is crazy to think how far analytics has come since then, that, that, <laughs> that we can at least, that coaches were making those decisions.
0: That's another analytics 20 decision. 20 years ago. I'm just going to start highlighting all these yeah.
1: decisions, analytics decisions. The reason you
0: choose to take the ball in overtime, yeah. 99% of the time, because you're more often likely to win if you get the ball in overtime. That is backed yeah. by the data, obviously. All uh, right, off, uh, of this, off of this off game, anything, well, we didn't, talk about, more. We didn't uh. talk about the
1: Chiefs. We didn't talk about the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs said business as usual. It was wow. I loved one. That's why I kind of. That's why I picked the Chiefs going in this game. It's just they have so many ways to beat you. Whether it's Tyree Kill housing, you know, a fucking dig route that he had no business housing. Whether it's Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes that connection at the end of the game in that last drive that we talked about. The Bills just giving you 15 yards, giving you the softest. Oh my lord, that coverage was just so hard to look back on. And Travis Kelsey just saying, I'm going to, you know, I told Patrick Mahomes in the huddle before that last play, I'm just going to run to space. You know, I'm going to be, he's three by one, he's the one on the, the lone receiver on the left side, and just say, I'm going to run to space. Mahomes hits him, gets him in the field goal range. That's like indicative of that connection, why it's so special. Um, but I just, my big takeaway from this game is I cannot imagine watching this, being a team. With your ultimate goal of winning the Super Bowl, and saying, you know what, I think I'll build around Daniel Jones. I think I'll take this chance on Sam Darnold to win me a championship. It's just like you gotta set your either set your sights higher than that, or figure out something else in the quarterback position. But you can't pay mid tier quarterbacks anymore. You cannot pay Teddy Bridgewater 20 plus million dollars thinking that's going to get you a Super Bowl. You can't pay Daniel Jones 30 million dollars, 20 million dollars, whatever. I don't know. Obviously, he's not going to get that. But you can't be Given this fifth-year option Sam Darnold, yeah. thinking that he's going to turn into that. I mean you gotta do a set your sights just a little higher. Jimmy Garoppolo is like an
0: outlier to the rule, right? Like, like Jimmy Garoppolo is not this quarterback that is doing what Mahomes, Allen, or even what Burrow is capable of in this postseason, and like him pushing this far. And some people are like, well, Jimmy Garoppolo made a Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo's in the NFC championship. Why can't you just, you know, attack these Jimmy Garoppolo quarterbacks? The 49ers have been dogs in every game they've played over the last, like, five weeks because Jimmy is yeah. not good. Like, that's just what it is, right? Like, and again, people don't believe in betting lines, whatever, Vegas, whatever. It's like your goal is to consistently compete for Super Bowls, and if you are consistently an underdog in the playoffs, you're not going to. Like, you're yeah. not going to win a lot of Super Bowls. That's just, like, a literal fact. An analytics decision <laughs> that that's what it is so chasing this higher end i think a lot of people had that same take and shortly after that game too
1: and literally the 49ers just drafted Trey lance because of this you not know, like, just drafted
0: yeah. him they traded two first round yeah. picks to go get him
1: they they themselves just made that decision to like to go <laughs> chase that higher end so exactly Uh, I think a lot of people had that similar take and started
0: tweeting out, like, quarterbacks in the AFC, and it's like Mahomes, Allen, you know, these guys that are, like, you know, trying to stretch this high end. I do think that got to chase the hotter sauce there. Got to chase the hotter sauce. All right. A couple more sponsors here of the Tailgate Podcast, then we'll get to the Big Board Update. Fun to read. Save your likes, et cetera. But – Proud sponsor of the show is Western and Southern. Want a chance to win the ultimate game day feast, whether it's football success or financial savvy. Winning starts with asking us questions. Would you like to know what it's like behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Western and Southern is teaming up with PFS' very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can put help help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. We'll cover your catering up to $2,500. Coordinate your order from a restaurant near you and have it delivered on February 13th, 2022. That's also Valentine's Day, a.k.a. V-Day, a.k.a. Manscaped Day. And don't forget to check out the Chris Collinsworth Podcast and Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash feast. One more time, that's westernsouthern.com slash feast. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. All right, the big board update. PFF's Big Board is live on PFF.com. If you want to go check it out, go just Google PFF Big Board. This is courtesy of Mike Renner. A lot of things to discuss. I'm excited about draft season. We're fully getting into it. Mm-hmm. We're prepping the lead for the East West Shrine Bowl on Thursday. <clears throat> Head to Vegas to cover the- oh, jeez. That was too much. <laughs> we're going, we're <laughs> going much? to – Going to Las Vegas for the East West Shrine Bowl. Make sure you follow on Tailgate. We're probably going to do about three, four episodes a week while we're down there and, and talking to a bunch of media, talking to a bunch of players. should be a good time, both at the Senior Bowl and the East West Shrine Bowl. Then we're going to the Combine. Then we're going to the Super Bowl. It's going to be quite the traveling week, weeks, months. But um, this big board update, man, where I want to start – I know you have a, a couple things highlighted here where you want to start, but I'm actually going to p- shift gears here. Oh. I want to start with the offensive tackle discussion okay. a little bit just because – so, Dane Brugler of The Athletic, and this is something I kind of want to discuss on the Wednesday episode, which we're recording today, by the way, because your flight got delayed.
1: Oh, yeah. I, forgot. <laughs> I took a lot of L's this weekend. Sitting in O'Hare for eight hours yesterday was a massive L. That one sucked. Yeah. That one, not as bad as obviously the Packers lost. Of course. But, dude, uh, it was – I got there. and I, So, I got there early for my flight, too, because that was like – my brother lives next to Nero O'Hare. That was when he could drop me off. So I'm like, All right, I'll just like, I'll go early and I'll work from there for like, i was gonna work for like a couple hours before my flight. Well, flight gets delayed a couple hours, so then, and then it got delayed a couple more hours and I'm just like sitting there like, this is uh, my nightmare. That but, sucks. But, back now.
0: Big board update, where I wanted to start, and something on the Wednesday episode I want to go over is some of these mock drafts that have come out from some of the thought leaders in the space. Remember when I said that? Yeah. One of the bigger thought leaders in the space or something uh, like that. Uh, oh, is something better minds, minds in the space, something oh, like that. Called I called Dave Brugler that. I yeah. called that one time. Um, but Dame Brugler came out with the mock draft. I think McShay or Mac- Mel Kiper came out with the mock draft. But in Brugler's, he did not have Thibodeau. He did not have Aiden Hutchinson. He did not have Aiden. Or he didn't have I mean, uh, Evan Neal, number one. He had Ikea Friend of the show, NC State offensive tackle, go number one overall in his mock draft. How you see the offensive tackle rankings now, Evan Neal at five, Charles Cross at six, those are number one tackle, number two tackle. Mm-hmm. But that's where they are in the overall draft board. And then the number three tackle is Iki Ikuanu, and he's the 13th-ranked player on PFS draft board. Do you see some swapping here coming down the pike, whether it be through the All-Star Bowls, talking to some of these guys, the Combine? Do you think you're going to be swapping rankings here? Do you think Aquanu could make the rise?
1: I, I could. I, I do, and I don't think it's Aquanu though. Oh. The guy, I think, who could end up high. Is Bernard Ryman,
0: the Central Michigan guy. Central
1: Michigan. He checks in at 19. He was the highest grader of these bunch last year. Now, obviously, he plays Central Michigan, but he also did play LSU last year and he played Mizzou and he dominated in both those games. Um, I- I'm in awe of this dude, of what he can be, because he was playing tight end two years ago. If you look at kind of his career path, it's very similar to Lane Johnson's. Now, he came from Australia, Austria, Austria, excuse me. Dude, Obviously, don't mix those, those bad. up. I, I bet you there's bad blood. <laughs> there's
0: got to be bad blood between Austria and Australia because they're so similar.
1: Austria, I believe he moved here in high school, plays football, goes to Central Michigan, starts a tight end first two years, gains 60 pounds since 2019. So was 245-pound tight end, now is 305-pound tackle. Goes from fairly good his very first year to utterly dominant this past year at Central Michigan. And he's probably going to run like a 4.9. Like, he, this guy can move. Dude,
0: his, he can move.
1: And like I'm saying, that was Lane Johnson. He started, went to JUCO, transfers to Oklahoma, starts at tight end, puts on 60 pounds over the course of a couple off seasons, goes to the Senior Bowl, dominates that Senior Bowl, top five pick, all of a sudden this guy is one of the best tackles in the NFL. That, to me, is what Bernard Ryman can be just because of how, like I said, dominant his tape is for, and now he doesn't look like Evan Neal. Like, he's not that kind of tackle, but he's more than athletic enough to be, you know, an all pro at some point in his NFL career. Like he has that level of movement uh, of tools. So if there's a guy I could see be a riser in this, it's Ryman from the senior bowl. I also am very close on Neil and cross for OT one right now. That one could be a combine decision. And to me, it's more like what kind of, Agility drills. is cross and Neil run at the combine. And I know Neil's explosive. I know he's massive. You don't have to tell me that. But like, he's cross is still the smoother mover between those two. So they're very close for OT one right now. Equanu though, him leapfrogging those guys, like he's he's the best in the run game. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I, he's going to be good there wherever you line him up. It's just in pass protection, he's he's more of a project than. Braymond, like he's oh. he's behind the curve.
0: Uh, Iquanu's pass so run blocking. I think he's the highest grade of run blocking offensive lineman we've seen this year, maybe even dating back to like two years ago. He's insane he's in the run dude. game. We had him on the show. Yeah. His mentality in the run game is phenomenal. But like in pass protection, both can be true. He took massive strides this year. His yeah. pass protection this year was phenomenal compared to previous years. It's still not at the level yeah. of some of these other guys, and he can still improve, right? Like he can still improve.
1: I have a I have a bunch of. From watching his tape, I have a bunch of screenshots of him when his feet are literally like touching each other in his pass sets. Oh, no. There's yeah. a lot. Like, I probably have a half dozen from his tape, and that's not what you like.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and that will be like a lot of people will highlight in this pre draft process that like, Quanu, man, he's improved so much as a pass protector, and he has, yet he still is not yeah. in this tier with some of the other guys, obviously, at the top of this class. Bernard Ryman, thanks for putting these up, Quinn, by the way. Bernard Ryman, the 19th ranked player on PFF's draft board. Let's get to. Mod Gardner, dude. Sauce Gardner, local product, Cincinnati corner, guy who, like, every single week, PFF College Twitter was tweeting about, talking about how he's never allowed a touchdown this season, lot very few yards in coverage, sticky guy. And then going against Bama, I remember we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. He puts it on against Bama, and you say he can show up with the big dogs. Mod Gardner, number eight on PFF strapboard, and number two among corners behind, obviously, Derek Stingley Jr., who's number four on PFF strapboard.
1: Eight, and I bet he goes high because – a lot of top ten, top fifteen picks, you're taking unique skill sets. Like that's why zavin Collins went sixteenth because if you want Zayvon Collins, if you're into that, you know, if you're if that's your thing, you're not going to find that in the second, third round. If your thing is six foot three cornerbacks, if you really want that long cornerback who can move, they don't exist. A lot of them, like the, a lot of them, they end up playing wide receiver when they're that height. You know, like there's not a lot of dudes like Ahmad Gardner. So. Yeah, I, I think his press tech and what he did against, like you said, Alabama was really the tape that I was waiting on was really buy-in, and I'm all in. I think, obviously, he put on better tape than Stingley did this year with Stingley's injury. I still think Stingley's a little more scheme versatile, but Maude Gardner's going to be damn good.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for Ahmad Gardner. The other thing, I know you didn't have it on your list here to go over, but the receiver discussion, I think, is getting really, really good. Um, you have still Garrett Wilson, wide receiver one, as the tenth ranked player on PFS draft board. But right behind him, and I've been kind of standing for Drake London potentially as PFF's wide receiver one at the end of this process. But right behind him at twelve is Drake London, yeah. the monster that you, the six foot five, two hundred and ten pound monster. You compared to Brandon Marshall. I think the concerns with Wilson, are I think, are size a little bit. I think the weight, the weight, the six foot one ninety two. I think he could come up lighter too. I'm interested to see how fast he is in a straight line as well. Everyone I've talked to says Olave is faster. I, I think London over Wilson could ultimately be where I land, but still both these guys in the top 12 on your draft board.
1: Uh, Wilson's very much going to be decided or this is very much going to be decided at the combine. Yeah. Because like you said, Wilson six foot one ninety two. Is he actually going to show up six foot one ninety two? Is he going to get bigger? Can he put on some muscle and still maintain that? Because I think he needs to. Like I think his game could go a long way by being six foot one ninety five, six foot two hundred get a little more strength in his lower half, break some more tackles, because I think that will be his game at the next level. Whereas if he is really, like on tape, he looks like he's maybe like in the 185 range. And if that's who he is, that's concerning. Um, just with his game projections to the NFL. Whereas London, I obviously don't have questions about size, but speed. Because yeah. I don't know if he's going to be going to the combine with his ankle, but I think at some point in the process, he'll be running 40 if he's high four sixes. Four, 7. I don't think he will be. I think he'll be like 4'6 flat-ish kind of guy. And Maybe that's high 4'5s four four, at Pro Day. That's, and that's more than enough, yeah.
0: I think high 4'5s at the USC Pro Day is probably where his head is at, right? I think on, mm-hmm. on the home turf there. Uh, the Linebacker class is also interesting. Devin Lloyd, Utah linebacker, uh, ranked at number 11 as PFF's LP1, ahead of, obviously, the decorated Nicobe Dean, who is just a few spots behind him, the 14th ranked player on PFF's draft board, and the number 2 linebacker in this class. With Lloyd... I think the comparisons that I've seen that I do really like with his game is the Fred Warner comparison. I know they're both Utah guys, yeah. right? Fred Warner went to BYU. But they're very similar from a size perspective, 6'3", 235. I think Fred Warner's right in that range. In terms of a smooth-moving player for this position, too, that's exactly what Lloyd brings to the table.
1: And that's just the biggest thing. There's You can do more with Lloyd than you can with Dean. I think they're both very good linebacker prospects. Like, the top of this class is as good as the top of – Gosh, what was the last year? Was that 18 when you had Devin White and Devin Bush? Those guys, these guys are that caliber of prospects in my eyes. Um, But just Lloyd, I think, with his length, with his size, is just more versatile. Whereas Dean kind of had the ideal role in what he did at Georgia. Like, he'll have some issues with NFL tight ends.
0: On another linebacker, we want to bring up Leo Chanel. Leo Chanel took a massive, massive rise of PFS draft board. It's he pronounced Chanel. Chanel? Chanel. Really? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm just helping you. Leo Chanel, 35th ranked player on PFS draft board, another top 50 linebacker on here. And he was not this high going into the season, right? Yeah. He took a massive stride after what was a very good year with Jack Sanborn there at Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, he is. He was Bruce Helvin's freaks list guy. He is an explosive, explosive linebacker. And again, another guy that is a unique Six-two, two-sixty-one. They had him playing tilt-nose tackle against, uh, was it Army or Navy? They play a triple option team and would just line him up at nose tackle in that game. There's a rep on tape of him doing the same, walking up to the A-gaps against Tyler Linderbaum and stacking and shedding him in the running game. Like This guy has special traits in run defense. Now, another guy who is like, like I said, scheme specific. Like you're gonna want him blitzing, coming downhill, protected to a degree in coverage. But in that role, he is, it's a freak, truly a freak.
0: Other Devonte Wyatt. I'm glad you put this. I want to talk about Devonte Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt. I mean, because of all the attention and rightfully so that Jordan Davis got, I just don't feel like a lot of people talked about Devontae Wyatt. Devante Wyatt, 37th-ranked player on PFF draft board, an 89.8 PFF draft – or PFF draft grade – PFF grade this year, which ranked 11th among all defensive tackles. He, in my opinion – is so impressive. And you have him, you know, right behind Jordan Davis, right? Jordan Davis at 36, Devontae White at 37. Both of these guys were wreaking absolute havoc. The only not the only difference, but like biggest reason he wasn't getting as much attention is Jordan Davis is literally built like a mobile home. And every time you turn on the tape with Georgia, he stands out like a sore thumb.
1: Dude, yeah, I had to laugh. I was going to clip a play of Channing Tyndall. And Channing Tyndall makes this insane play for a tackle for a loss. And the broadcast immediately goes to a single shot of Jordan Davis just holding off his offensive lineman and not making the play. Just literally, that was what the broadcast starts talking about, is Jordan Davis is like, oh, look at him, hold that offensive lineman. When Channing Tyndall had just made this insane play, and that was kind of just indicative of why he ends up winning the Benaric Award. It was, was the Benaric, right? He yeah, won yeah. Best Defensive Player in America. Because literally that's all a broadcast could talk about when there's dudes like Wyatt making insane plays left and right, but the broadcast had their one shot on Jordan Davis all year. But Wyatt is 6'3", 315, and for my money, he has the best get-off of any defense tackle in this class, which is not usually the case with 315-pounders. That's usually Fair. your 285-pounders. But Devontae Wyatt, that first step, caused a lot of problems. Now, he's not particularly physical. He's kind of a speed, finesse guy, despite that size. But... That's a good starting point to be that athletic.
0: I also really like, I'm not saying maybe he's not on the same tier as Devontae Wyatt. I also really like Logan Hall, the Houston defensive tackle, and his explosives. He's a significantly lighter. I think he played this season. I mm-hmm. talked to him recently at 275, 6'6", 275. But he's another guy that can get out of his stance pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, the next player here is a guy that you're obviously planning your flag for. He's also a friend of the show. Sky Moore, Western Michigan wide receiver. If you haven't watched him yet, you're, it's a mistake. Played over 800 snaps this year, a 91.6 PFF grade, and these things that Quinn is showing on screen. If you're watching on YouTube, this is available in PFF's Draft guy or yeah. PFF Edge subscription. Go check it out. All the grades, and stats, etc. But man, this guy is your Deontay Johnson, right? You were one of the first few people on Deontay Johnson. He's five foot ten, 195, small school, but man, can create separation, can create separation specifically down the football field. Number two in PFF grade all year this year. It's awesome.
1: He led led the nation broken tackles too. Um, he's just so sudden T- to me. He's only like scratching the surface too of what he could be. Like this guy is special athletically. Uh, I'm very curious to see what he ends up testing at, at the combine, but just like that ability to shake guys is gonna translate. And you saw it, I mean, he had pit early on and just cooked them, like all over him. Uh, He had someone else that he went up against too early on that I'm blanking off the top of my head, but I, I did, had the first round lock segment this guy's a day two lock. Like a it, small school guy has not been talked about much. He will go on day two. I love a day two lock. He will go on day two. Last guy on your list to discuss in the big
0: board update is Oklahoma linebacker Brian Asamoa. I got to be honest, I have not watched a lot of Asamoa tape. 6 foot 1, 228.
1: Is it pronounced Asamoah or Asamoa like Namdi?
0: i am never calling another man Asamoah. Asamoah was different and it was spelled different. No, it but was, I, I don't know. Yeah. It could be it could
1: be Asamoah. It's probably no. Asamoah.
0: Brian Asamoa or Asamoah, 6 foot 1 228, Richard Jr this year a 76.3 PFF grade over 500 snaps played this year. I got to be honest, I have not watched a lot of tape on him. Talk to me about Asamoa or Asamoah.
1: Yeah, he was a guy who watched as a sophomore 2020 and I was just like he's he doesn't he not quite get it. He doesn't quite see the game. He Was just playing really slow when you could see he's athletic, but this year night and day. Like made that leap that you like to see. And now I really like this linebacker class because guys like Chanel made that leap. Asamoah made that leap. Like, they look like legitimate impact players. And Asamoah hits. He's 228 pounds, but he has no fear in his game. Similar-ish sort of skill set to a Jeremiah Wusakoromoa where it's like, yeah, he's undersized. But he's so explosive, flies around the field, takes blatant disregard for his body that... I'm not too worried about him being that size. He's obviously a guy you're probably going to want to protect against blockers, but like he's going to be a playmaker at the NFL level. Uh, obviously a reason why he came out early as only a junior uh, at linebacker. On to the
0: fun to read segment. Yep. Fun to read. If you're new to the podcast, the fun to read segment is where we look on social media and find shit. That's just fun to read. Mm-hmm. Starting with Lawrence Tynes, former Giants, Giants kick. kicker or punter. He was a punter or kicker. I can't remember. Kicker. kicker. Former Giants kicker, two-time Super Bowl champion, also a host on the Blue Rush podcast, something on the New York Post. He does a lot of things now. One of the th- my favorite things he does though is tweet. Yeah. Cuz this tweet is fucking phenomenal. Eli Manning is a more qualified Hall of Famer than Aaron Rodgers. Bring all the smoke you want. I'm taking 10 over 12 anytime a game is on the line or the playoffs. That is one an absurd take. Two, how did this get twelve hundred ninety three retweets? I, I get the ten <laughs> giants 40, fans. Yeah, I guess he's he's a former giant, yeah. but I get the ten forty six quote tweets like people are trying to dunk on him and probably like a bunch of lmaos. But you're telling me like over twelve hundred people were like, "Yep, give me Eli Manning over Aaron Rodgers." Like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand
1: that. So there's there's a number of layers to this one. <laughs> one saying more qualified as if like is he saying Aaron Rodgers isn't qualified? Like he's more qualified there's either like you're qualified or you're not um two the guy literally won two of his championships because of eli manning like should we be surprised like that he's putting that take out there in the world probably not but also like you you don't have to be that dis- you don't have to make bad takes just because you played with the guy like you could still maybe have some objectivity here it's rough. It's rough to see from Lawrence Tynes. Next one from
0: Computer Cowboy, a.k.a. Ben Baldwin, who I think does a lot for the Athletics. He He's a athletic. big analytics guy. Bless this website. Screenshot of Dan Orlovsky, who was getting dunked on because he did not think that deep touchdown to – who was it on that touchdown? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Not the, not the last one. Not, not the last big play, but the deep touchdown to Cooper Cup was not blown coverage. However, Tony Jefferson, a former NFL safety, or I think he might be still be in the NFL, and Sua Craven's current safety for the San Francisco 49ers both come in and say, hey, that's definitely blown coverage. <laughs> yeah. So what they were playing was what? Like cover two or Tampa two, and then the, the, the left safety needs to be as deep as the deepest and as wide as the widest is kind of what the coaching speak is. And he wasn't, right? And so what Orlovsky says outside of that screenshot is he'll say, it's not blown coverage, it's just horrible coverage. What's I, that? Pfft. Horrible coverage is blown coverage. I think all blown coverage is horrible coverage. I think, think, And maybe the argument is that, like, hey, he was doing the right assignment but doing it terribly, so maybe you can't call it blown coverage. But I think whether or not you do the right or wrong assignment, it's just about executing the assignment, right? Like, executing the assignment, I think, is
1: important. So, okay, so it was cover two, Tampa two. You have Mike Edwards dropping to the deep half on his side. Um, Dan Orlovsky, the whole point of his video was to try to argue that wasn't blown, Matt Stafford took him with his oh, eyes got you. over there. And every safety is coached in cover two. They're like, no, like he was playing the wrong technique. It yeah, yeah, was yeah. what everyone watching this is saying. Everyone's saying he's playing and was playing cover four technique. Playing it like it was a different coverage than everyone else on that football field was playing. Because when you are in cover two, Bobby Slowik taught me this. What they coached was you do not leave your pedal until the ball is cocked to throw or until literally only one receiver has declared on that side of the field. So if it's like two receivers on your side, one's gone under, one's in the block, something like that. If there's only one receiver on your field, you can go there. If there's if not, you're just going If not, back. you cannot leave your back pedal to your landmark until the receiver cocks to throw. And obviously he leaves his landmark immediately because he's not playing that technique.
0: You hate to see it from Dan Orlovsky. You hate to see it.
1: Uh, next one on the fun to read, Skip Bayless. Oh
0: my God, this guy's a legend. I love Skip Bayless. Some people hate him. I they, This guy's a content machine. It's content great. literal machine. I he used to says, watch First
1: Take every day almost in college. It's it's just so good. it was just, yeah.
0: I guess Aaron Rodgers did become the permanent Jeopardy host in the playoffs. Why the comma in playoff? The comma is horrendous here. From a grammatical perspective, but it,
1: it should have been a ellipsis. It should have been a dot 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 yeah. in playoff games. But this is ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. I don't really get it. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing really to get. He kind of just wanted to get a burn in. Yeah, I mean, and
0: this was objectively the worst of any of the Aaron Rodgers jokes that were going on. Yes, you know, everyone talking about the immunized, uh, boycotting the Super Bowl. Some of those were better. This was trash. This was literally garbage. Yeah, you hate to see it. You hate to see it.
1: This my, this next one's my favorite one. Next I can't just... believe this next one didn't go around more on social media.
0: I mean, it's got 2,800 likes.
1: But it, I didn't see a lot of like people, you know, like ESPN promoting it, whatever. Fair. But Jim Harbaugh goes to – Future Raiders head coach. On a recruiting trip, goes to the weight room at Jesuit High School and just starts squatting. <laughs> just
0: gets under the see bar. What does he have on the bar? Is that two plates or one? <laughs> I think it might be two.
1: He gets under the or bar. Or no, it might be just a big and one And just plate. starts repping out some squats in running shoes and his
0: khakis dude look at those bros in the background <laughs> those are such bros uh, the squad, the khakis in the back the khakis. look at all three of them can yeah. you zoom in on that Quinn? all I mean, three of them are in khakis
1: a, and a polo that is a sensational look it's got to be the dress code i mean it's jesuit high school it's probably got a dress code can
0: you so you just have to wear a polo and khakis every day that's interesting that's interesting <laughs> But, you know, Jim Harbaugh in his bag it looks like he's squatting at least at least 135, if not 225. I can't really tell if there's a second plate there yeah. or not. But, man, Jim Harbaugh, that's freaking hilarious. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is going to be doing that forever. That's why he, maybe he isn't going to the NFL, right? You don't do that in the NFL. You're not, like, going and recruiting players and, like, go to their house and just start using their squat rack. Last one. This is my favorite one. And you didn't have this included on the original rundown. But this is absolutely sensational. Mr. Undrafted, a.k.a. Quentin Spain, an offensive guard for the Cincinnati Bengals. Tweeted and then deleted after the game where Jeffrey Simmons against Tennessee absolutely dominated the interior offensive line. Quentin Spain say, Quentin Spain says big three point five backwood of the Titan that Titans pack tonight. I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? No. But but the more important thing is, and fuck he tags him. He tags him at Grind Simmons ninety-four. You can see me with the hands with your bitch ass. <laughs> best thing that is the best thing i've ever seen i am i'm in love i am legitimately in love with that he obviously deletes the tweet but like how do you tweet that after you get manhandled like jeffrey simmons literally manhandled that interior offensive line like it was a disaster how do you tweet that after
1: that That is the hilarious thing that Quinn spain and eli apple are the ones talking shit when it's like dude this wasn't this wasn't (laughs) y'all Bengals aren't here because of you guys
0: (laughs) All right, these are two fantastic Savior-like segments. And I think we were starting to identify more of the Savior-like opportunities, right? Yes. Fun to watch was kind of this original savior likes. So if you just say football's fun to watch, which was, you could, th- there was a billion fun to watches in that Chiefs-Bills game, right? Oh, Everyone's yeah. like, oh my God, Josh Allen's fun to watch. Patrick Mahomes fun to watch. This game is fun to watch. All that stuff. But one of my other favorite ones, this one comes from Trey Wingo. Trey Wingo says he has a, almost a million followers. This is hilarious. Almost a million followers. This tweet stinks. I love football, that's all. That's, and he's got 453 likes, almost a million followers, 31 retweets. That that is such a common tweet though. How many people say, the football is good. This football is great. Like, and I get, I'm not trying to be a fan, like water down fans, right? Pour water on fans here. But like, send a better tweet, you know? There's, just be more creative. Like you don't have to come out and just be like, football's good. Like, that, what are you doing?
1: That's the that's the point here. We, we love the enthusiasm. Yes. We love football. I'm sitting there watching, hyped myself. But turn that into some creative energy. Yes. Be match, a content creator. Match the energy of what's going on in the football field, and don't just spill over garbage onto your Twitter feed because you're excited. Yeah. But, Which is the next tweet that we're going to go <laughs> off on this This is another
0: one. series of tweets that I think is fantastic. This is from San. NFT, which is ph- phenomenal. <laughs> Arif Hasan, who is a writer for the the Athletic, give him a follow. He's pretty funny. But on this tweet, this is such a common tweet. This is a common. He one. comes out and just says, "Wow!"
1: After probably a, a, big, play, right? a big play, right? Yeah, yeah. That I, was after the, I believe it was the Josh Allen touchdown. If
0: you ahead, are sending tweets that are like, "Wow! Oh my God! Wow!" like slamming your keyboard, like you can't. Like, I just refuse. I just refuse. Save your likes. And this only got 52 yeah. likes. He's got 40,000 followers. This was, this was respect. S- this, is, this is people who tune into the show. Yeah. Save your likes. This is a good save your likes opportunity. Someone else I wanted to highlight, Quinn, you don't have to pull her up. But Mina Kimes is the literal king of this. King of in-game tweets, right? King of in-game tweets in that she tweeted the quarterbacking. It is good. 8,000 likes. 8,000 likes. She has her fan base so rabid that she could legitimately say anything, and they're just going to be all in. Now, she's one of the more creative content creators. There's a lot of other in-game tweets where they're, like, actually really good, and they're deserving of those 8,000 likes. But, man, then I have to highlight Dan Orlovsky one more time. In In that game, he has a phenomenal tweet. He tweets a ton. January 23rd, during the game, he tweets a series of just random letters, like him slamming his keyboard off excitement. 1.4 thousand likes of just random letters in a string save
1: your likes people save your freaking likes i do like when pft commenter will basic tweet sunday night football games basically just but that's a bit right yeah as a bit just doing those kind of tweets where it's just like no thought just meme yeah reactions it's, it's, I feel like we come
0: off of this segment kind of sound like assholes, but honestly, man, I want to see some creativity on the timeline. It's, I think, it's, I mean,
1: it's setting a higher standard. It's yeah, expecting it's, a higher expect standard.
0: Expect a higher standard. That's, yeah. that's all I want. And to, or like tweet those, but save your likes people. Don't yeah. cast your vote in favor of those yeah. garbage. Cause you're just going to continue to see more. <laughs> this is not Dan Orlovsky's fault. This isn't Arif Hassan's fault. Mm. This isn't Trey Wingo's fault. It's your fault. Save <laughs> your goddamn likes. It's you're the reason they tweet that. Cause they know you'll like it. Stop it. Be more creative. Be more creative. Content creators should be more creative, but you need to save your likes. Don't encourage that fucking lazy ass behavior. This <laughs> last thing here. This is a new segment on the show. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, we good. are going Rank to do on. a power rankings list every week, maybe even multiple times per week. We'll see how well the segment goes. Power ranking something. Yeah. Mostly will be sport related. There could be an opportunity for a non-sport, but it will mostly Take be sports. This week, wanna. this week, and I think in the future we should get Quinn on this. We didn't get him on this one, but this one. Power ranking, places to watch island games. And I was – I wanted to be – when I sent you this, like, this topic, I wanted to be very per- – not what am I? Intentional with island games. Because here's the t- – it's such a different ranking if you say 1 o'clock slate. Because I'll tell you what. One of my least favorite places to watch a 1 o'clock slate game in the regular season is at, at the, game. the game. Like, I don't want to be – I don't want to be at – a regular season I game agree. on the one o'clock slate. Now, if it's the afternoon slate, the four thirty slate, or the one o'clock slate on the West Coast, there's maybe more opportunity because there's only two or three games on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But if you're watching the the morning slate, the first slate of games in the in the game, like at the game you're going, you're just going to miss on so much, right? You're checking your fantasy team consistently. You're trying to look for other scores. I, w- I would do this rankings list differently. However, island games, whether that's Sunday night football, Thursday night football, a playoff game, the Super Bowl, etc., I have my rankings. I'm starting with number one, club seats inside 50 yard line free food free drinks that is obvious you are at the game that is an island game and you're in the best seats in the house that i don't think there's a there's not even argument
1: okay you have a different list so you have a different I number do. one i that's just is like cheating it's like yeah i would like cheating to be, i said
0: power rank the number one spot
1: i'd like to be in heaven Watching no. the island oh, that's, games. That, so you just made up a fairy
0: tale. Well like, where would you what's a realistic number one? That's a realistic. realistic
1: I'm not buying club seats. It's a yeah, realistic Okay, okay. So I'm we not didn't factor going...
0: in cost. I meant like if it was all expenses paid. It's
1: not. I'm not I'm, so I'm not gonna buy club seats because I'd rather have
0: That's fair. No, that's a good counter. Seats. That's a good counter.
1: In zone seats are the best bang for your buck and truthfully a better view of the game, in my opinion, than fifty yard line seats. What? In zone angle. That's an absurd take. Gives me gives for my mind for my eyes, whatever. Your eyes can tell you differently. I see the game developing better. I liked watching the game better from that angle of the field. Now, you're farther away from you know, it's at the far end zone, whatever. But when it's at your end zone, it's great. And they're cheap. They're a lot cheaper than 50 yard line seats, getting yeah, in zone no. straight Factoring in the line price, line. My, my answers are pretty so, shit then. So, in zone seats <laughs> are my number one.
0: I think that's fair. I mean, I hate your in zone take. I'd rather watch them at the 50 yard line. Oh, yeah. But And this is evident in my number two. But <laughs> <laughs> I didn't factor in price. I, I guess I'm a millionaire here. Yeah. It's like that. No, I'm not going to say a quote from the office. Anyway, number 2, 50-yard line on the field though. Like right against the banner, dude, right behind okay. the fucking like right behind the the yeah. what is it? The people on the benches, right? Like or just above you're the benches, you're showing out see. some cash. I'm showing out some cash. Games. I'm showing out some cash. I guess when I did power ranking these power ranking those, this is like in a fairy tale where I have <laughs> unlimited money. Yeah. But field 50-yard line, that would be like an ideal situation too.
1: Yeah. Maybe like right next to the head coach yeah 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 yeah. with Obama you know (laughs) I want to be
0: sitting with the president anyway uh, well your second one's good too though
1: Uh, house party Uh, I think when you have island game and there's like chips and salsa and guac wings to graze and there's maybe like a dozen or so people half dozen that's a good atmosphere for watching a game in like-minded company hopefully unless I'm watching with you and you'll probably just root against whoever I'm with or whoever I'm rooting for. That's not true. If it's the Packers, <laughs> it's definitely true. Or if it's Notre Dame, it's definitely true. So that's my um, number two, house party.
0: I, don't, I didn't have house party on my list. I didn't have any of your three on my list.
1: But number list. three,
0: the, the one that I'm surprised you didn't have, at least somewhere on your list, local, hometown bar, in hometown gear. So like, if you're watching the Packers, it's in Green Bay, mm-hmm. this island game, and you're in a local bar wearing a fucking clay matthews jersey so you know that you're i think yeah. i do think that situation when you factor in price would be my number one if you're factoring in price i think that's my number one you're obviously buying beers and stuff like that but like being in the city where the team is playing the home game is playing i i think that's the win
1: yeah that one's see that one's tough because i'm not i'm not i don't like i don't i work during it's true it's true the way, like it's not something I go on and do. Now, like obviously Thursday night games here in Cincinnati. Love doing that for that. But my you number is just three, went to Lambeau. I'm saying for like non Packer games. Oh, okay. Pack Games. If I'm going to Packer Games, I don't want to be at a bar next to Tatum. I would like to go really? to the game. Okay. Um But home alone. Watch it by Your, myself. This list is it. trash. My list is my list. I would like to be home alone watching an island game before. I would like to be at a bar. Now, obviously, a bar next to stadium, whatever, when it's – okay, yeah, that's a fun atmosphere.
0: No shit, it's a fun atmosphere.
1: But I would rather be home alone than just go to a bar for, like, a Sunday night football game here in Cincinnati of Cowboys 49ers. I'd rather be home. Alone. I think we needed to be
0: more intentional with the places to watch really important island <laughs> games. <laughs> like, like, and you're trying to have a really good time. You're just like, this is like stand, like this is like your average island game. You're like, yeah. yeah, this one. But anyway, that was fun. I liked it. We'll have to get better with the rankings list. If the listeners have an idea for what the next rankings list should be, definitely feel free to reach out. Also, the mailbag episode is coming later this week. Go to speakpipe.com/tailgate if you want to leave a voicemail, or go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave a review, and drop your question in there. What a phenomenal episode. Apologize for being late. That's on Mike Renner. Flight delayed from Lambo after taking a fat L weather. Okay, maybe it's on weather. Until next time, Austin Gale, Liver King here. Mike Renner,
1: Tailgate.